Welcome to After the Episode 3.5. I'm here with my guest host, Casey, and uh, I guess we're going to start out. Uh, what parallels did you see that were that are in the movie that directly come from the comics? Uncle Ben dying no, again. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're obviously the biggest parallel is, and not exactly a parallel, but just kind of like lifting from the source material. Great power comes with great responsibility. Yeah. It is, like, it's a number one moral, I think, that should just be hammered into kids' heads as soon as they can understand what morals are. <laughs> Fun fact about that line is it's literally the most said quote in commencement speeches at, at the end of graduation. <laughs> Which makes sense. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, great power comes with great responsibility. I mean, it's just a good moral to have it's a good uh it's a good source of peter's character it is you know like everybody talks about how it's uncle ben's death that drives him to be a hero but they often overlook the fact that it's actually uncle ben's lessons that have like shaped peter into what he is and obviously the power and responsibility aspect of it like nobody thought that Peter Parker at 16 was going to become Spider-Man. He was weak as shit. He he was highly intelligent. And May and Ben, who had raised him, understood that he was going to do great things, even, you know, without being physically fit, without being, uh, you know, overly confident, you know, any of that. His mind was so strong that they knew that he would do great things but they didn't want him to be a dick yeah so you Which know he wasn't until doc ock took over his body in superior spider-man he was kind of a dick then <laughs> well i mean even well actually if you go back and you read the originals peter was a dick because he believed he was superior to everybody else i can see it but that that comes with like like the like if you if you're someone who was like weak and you got like you started hitting the gym got strong like you're just gonna have that kind of be like like I know I'm much better than you now and do not compare that to me either you jerk well no I see, no I've seen you looking no but like <laughs> so Peter wasn't actually like because I've I've seen like a lot of videos because I'm addicted to TikTok now and I'm on superhero TikTok don't judge me <laughs> uh but Peter wasn't bullied in school like he went to school with Gwen Stacy he didn't even meet Mary Jane until college but like he went to school with Gwen Stacy and Flash Thompson and they were constantly like inviting him to parties and you know like reaching out to him and he would rebuff them just because he didn't feel like he fit in which I mean I can understand that I was kind of the same way but he he was a straight up dick about it just because he was like, oh, no, I've got better stuff to do. And it was, like, sitting in his room doing his little science experiments. And I can see it. It's like, well, with, like, majority of people with, like, high intelligent levels, mm. they're they're kind of, like, belligerent to people. They're yeah. like, they're like well, I'm not, I wouldn't go down to your level. Are you kidding me? Right. And, I mean, like, like I'm not, to, I'm not here to pick one side or the other because, obviously, like, I would, like, when Peter was bullied in, like, the movies and stuff, I was like, oh, okay, like, I understand that, because I'm, like, a nerd and all that sort of shit. But, like, then finding out this aspect about his character, like, years later, I'm like, dude, like, you're kind of a dick. Like, like, 
like trying and obviously you know like movies don't have to follow source material directly which everybody knows like stuff gets cut out stuff gets reformed and refitted into a new narrative because to fit better into the movie storyline like like you want peter in the movie to be bullied you want him to be a nerd because that's part of his crucible it's part of oh hey like very easily this kid could have become a super villain once he got bit by the spider he and there's dozens of uh what if stories about peter being a super villain like once he gets bitten but he doesn't like he he gets bit and you know uncle ben dies and he like learns that he has this power to help people and he should help people because he has this power it's not like a um it's not like it's genuinely oh well i'm gonna help people for money which he could have done it's not like oh well i'm gonna help people for fame which clearly he's got a head-to-toe body stocking on like he's not looking for fame he's helping people because he knows that he can and that is you know like the difference between like superheroes and obviously modern day society because how many people do you know would actually say oh hey i have superpowers i should be able to help people i'm going to help people see and like we've brought this conversation probably a hundred times about like me i don't have the moral compass as spider-man but like the reason i joined the military was because 9-11 and i just always believe that if you have the ability to do something you have the obligation to right and so i was like i have the ability to fight for this country i'm gonna go do that but i'll talk about like if i did have superpowers and i was like i'm pretty sure i'd be considered a villain but it would be the type of villain where I thought I was I was correct in what I thought was the way things should be. You would be like, more of a Robin Hood as opposed to like a straight up Hitler. So, uh, so I would probably say it was. I wouldn't say Hitler, but this reference is really going to hit on that. But like Injustice Superman, yes. Like if I had, if I had. The power to end crime. Yeah, that kind of thing. I, I, it would get to the point where I'd be like, you can't be trusted with your freedoms. Which it goes against everything that I, I believe in Like now as a person without superpowers. But like, if I had the ability to stop all crime mm-hmm. in the world because of these superpowers, I'd probably end up like Injustice Superman. And, right. and, like, and that's what compels that to make a, an awesome story. But like my favorite parallel... In the from the Spider-Man movies to the comic is how the Green Goblin actually how he got killed, like that actually happened in the comic. But, yeah, because I I didn't read that part of it exactly, but I did see Superior Spider-Man is like the greatest Spider-Man story ever told, and it doesn't even have Peter Parker in it. <laughs> um, it was the Spider-Man story that really helped boost me into comics when I was getting really in the comics back in 2012, 2011. Um, and like, it shows like even now what a few decades after Norman Osborn's quote unquote death, that he's still bearing like that scar from the glider. Yeah. And so in the, like the original origin story of the goblin, you don't find out, it's like you. It's like six issues into the storyline 
before you find out that Norman Osborn is the Goblin. Which, at that time, was, like, really unheard of because... Yeah, because they would, they would introduce the villain, like, right away. And all they, like, the closest you got to it at the time is you seeing a scientist and his back was to mm -hmm. the draw, like, your perspective in the drawing, and then you see the Goblin mask hanging there. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, it, then it's, like, six issues in, you end up finding out it's Norman Osborn, and part of the powers that... The goblin had is that Peter's uh, spider sense didn't work. Really? Yeah, like like uh, he could detect everything. He just couldn't detect the goblin himself. And see, and that's why he ended up he ended up flipping over the the glider because he can sense the glider, and that's when the glider like goes and then into Green Goblin and ends up stabbing him. But before that even happened, he went on a huge vendetta of trying to ruin Peter Parker's life because he found out who Spider-Man was. Are we talking about Original Sins now? The creepy story where he, like, hooks up with Gwen Stacy? Or <laughs> he, Gwen Stacy's clone or whatever? He, well, like, the way I interpret it, he assaulted her. <laughs> but, See, I haven't I haven't read it, obviously. It's one of, like, the darker Spider-Man storylines. Yeah, it's, but... it's super dark like that. Because he, cause he and this is a, another parallel that brings to the movie where he's like, when he's talking to Harry in his head, mm -hmm. he's talking about, he goes, we have to go at, we don't go after him, we go after his heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what they, that's what they do in the comic book because he's like, I want to ruin your life before I take you out. And they get, end up getting a huge battle and he messes him up. Like mm -hmm. in the comic, Green Goblin is a dangerous, dangerous man. This is before like the Goblin King and all that kind of stuff. Well, see, like I knew everybody talked about Doc Ock being... Spider-Man's arch nemesis. It's his Joker. It's his... Uh, I don't know who Superman's arch nemesis is because he's got so many. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, his, it's just Lex Luthor. Yeah. Like, um, but at the same time, um, you have the Goblin who is decidedly a much more prominent... Like, when I first got into comics, I didn't realize why, like, reading Superior Spider-Man why it was Doc Ock and why Norman Osborn wasn't, like, around. Because I'm like, this dude's a psycho. This is back before I read anything uh, involving Norman Osborn's Dark Reign, his tenure as director of Hammer, any of that. Um, and I'm just like, why is Norman Osborn not here? Because, like, I, all I had to go off of was the original Spider-Man trilogy where he is such a prominent force because of Harry and because of his, you know, brief stint as the Green Goblin. But everyone's like, no, Doc Ock is like his arch nemesis. And I'm like, it should be the Goblin because yeah. of the movie. And yeah. then that was like my big life lesson that comic book movies use up their characters <laughs> like trash and toss them out. Yeah. So like... Like I said, uh, during the episode, Sam Raimi's a huge comic book fan. He had thousands of Spider-Man comic books. So he was probably going on the original story that he was reading when he was a kid. And after he, after the Green Goblin found out that he was, Spider-Man was Peter Parker, he was ruining his life. And they, had got, they got in a huge, massive battle. And uh, Peter does the thing where he catches one of the bombs with his web shooter, throws it back at the Green Goblin, and it explodes. And that's how he eventually beats him for the first time is with his own bomb. And he ends up getting man, uh, amnesia from it. Which, another parallel is in the Spider-Man movies, number three, where he grabs the, 
the bomb after Harry tries throwing it at him, and he slings it back, and it and blows Harry, Harry up, and then Harry gets amnesia. So I was like, oh, so that's it's not quite as clear, no, but it, they no, do pull he, it. From he there. didn't. He didn't blow up Harry, and Harry got amnesia. I think he did he because I'm pretty yeah, sure because they did the same move where in the first movie the goblin like throws the bomb right next to Peter, and like it, and you see the side of his face get going like blown it like it ruins half the mask and then when he's he like throws because they they make that this actually brings me to another point where he's like he pushes him down after like peter's in his dark yeah but dark i could have swore i could have swore that the amnesia became came before because harry's face didn't get scarred until like the last third of the movie when he actually showed up to kill peter like oh he gets amnesia because he he messes up his glider and he hits he yeah hits, like the tow line so but he still gets minute but the the bomb thing yeah the bomb is a straight because after parallel. he found out about there that he was like uh when he <laughs> this, this is the funny part this is the only uh the continuity of the movies that made me upset was in the first movie when he's fighting flash and mary jane's like help him and you know peter's dodging all of it mm-hmm. and stuff like that and he's like, who? You know, yeah. like, does he really need my help? But in that movie, they were fighting. He's like, yeah, he shoves him to the ground. He's like, I protected you in high school. Now I'm going to kick your ass. And he's like, ooh, you know. I was like, but did he help him in high school? Because even, even I mean, at that point, he I mean, was yeah, like. But we weren't seeing, we weren't seeing Peter. And you know what? That's a great because, continuity question. Because in the beginning of the first movie, when they're rolling up to Columbia University yeah. to do the spider exhibit, it's almost presented like Harry has not been going to high school there for all this time because he's been. Yeah. As Norman mentions that he's you were kicked out of every private school I ever put right. you in. So and it's... plus, like uh, when Flash and that other kid were picking up Peter, he's like, "Leave him alone." He's like, "Or what? You're gonna have your dad fire my dad instead sue your father." Yeah, and so I was like. I was like, did he protect him at all in high school then? Right. But yeah, like, even then he was like, he went to all these private schools. And... Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it, it's something fast <laughs> and loose that, I mean, the private schools could have come before high school, yeah. but at the same time, it's just presented in a very weird way that it's almost like, hey, you've, like, been kicked out of every single private school I put you in up to this point, so... Like, like now that it's your senior year, you have to graduate yeah. like from a public school. And then, of course, he would latch on to Peter because Peter does not give a shit, at least in the movie universe, about Norman Osborn's wealth. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's not, it's semi-touched on in the comics that Peter, I mean, everybody knows Peter Parker's poor. He's, he's flat broke living in New York City. Yeah. And his company was about to go under if it wasn't for Doc Ock taking over too. <laughs> no, Doc Ock set up the company. Yeah, he, no, he saved it. No, he set it up. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, like in Superior Spider-Man, because in order to set it up, he has to actually go back to college to finish up Peter's degree. Cause That's he, right. Because he <laughs> dropped out like one credit short. Um, Which for Doc Ock, that would have just been a walk in the park. Oh, it, it was. And then he ended up presenting his thesis, which was based on the tech that allowed him to control his arms. And he got like caught for plagiarizing, even though it's technically his. <laughs> and it, it's a, it's like, for such a semi-serious book, it's such a almost funny moment. Because you're like, 
we all know that this is Doc Ock. The world sees Peter Parker because mm-hmm. Doc Ock, Doc Ock's brain got switched with Peter Parker's body, and Peter died with Doc Ock's body. It's a whole thing. Read Superior Spider Man. It's so it's I love so it. So worth it. Because um, like he he essentially he beca- like he he names himself. Yeah. Because I think it's Amazing Spider Man seven hundred. Uh, the arc, the initial arc is like six ninety five to seven hundred. Where they switch bodies. And he just, he's like, and he just, he's like, I have my mind in such a, a young body. And, like, and yeah. so he makes, he calls himself Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But like, in a way, like he becomes a better Spider-Man. He, because he has like all that, like all of his spider tech. He, he, he he's, a, he's a great Spider-Man. He is a terrible Peter though. Oh, I, and not, not even that, because he did, he did really well at being Peter, but he was dropping Peter's original cast. I think by the end of that, like MJ didn't want shit to do with them. Well, he was like being super aggressive with her, and and Peter is still in his head. Like they can communicate for like the first like six <laughs> issues until. And so like Peter knows like what he's trying to do like, yeah. when he was trying to get with. Oh yeah, was trying to get with them. So. Um. Yeah, it's it's a great series, and honestly, if you, anybody were to want to get into Marvel comics, especially Spider Man comics. Superior Spider-Man is a great jumping on point. It's only like 36 issues, 32. It's in between 32 and 36. It's a great jumping on point. It easily resets the Spider-Man canon for you. And then you can jump back into Amazing Spider-Man, which basically sees Peter come back into his own body. But it's a, it's a great storyline. But yeah, like the shenanigans that yeah. Ock gets into... It, it's hilarious because, like, us, the reader, knows that he's Doc Ock in Peter's body. And he's pulling off amazing shit. Like, like when he punches a Scorpion's jaw right off. Right. Of and and uh, I was like, I was like, ah! And then, like, that's when Doc Ock was like, man, Peter's been pulling his punches this whole time. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That was when he fought the Vulture. Oh, okay. Because he, he ended up getting blinded by Jameson's spider signal. <laughs> Yeah, because Jameson is the J. Jonah Jameson, biggest dick in comics. (laughs) You gotta love him, but he's a dick. But he sets up a spider signal on top of one of the police stations in New York. And Ock is like, oh yeah, like that's not gonna tell criminals that I'm out and about or where I am. And he fights the vulture because of some past trauma that Otto has involving his dad abusing him and all sorts of stuff. And he finds out the Vulture is actually using children as his henchmen now. So he just goes off. He's like, these are arms that traded blows with the Hulk (laughs) and actually hurt him. Who did Spider-Man? Like, I think he was cosmic Spider-Man at the time, but he punched him into the atmosphere. Ooh, what villain was that? I'm not I can't sure. Remember. It was because he was Cosmic Spider-Man. And he straight up just like, boom. <laughs> that was yeah, awesome. I'm not 100% sure on that. He was like, Spider-Man so is like insanely strong as a character too. And that's another thing is like, what's well, like small kid with that kind of strength. Well, it's like proportionate strength of a spider amplified onto a human frame. But he's got to be well beyond that by now. Like yeah. years of just... Not even, like, because you never see him lift weights. You never see him do any sort of strength training other than web swinging and actually fighting. Yeah. But you never see him do that. But you know, like, with as many heavy hitters 
the rhino for one <laughs> uh that he's just faced throughout his tenure as a superhero he's got to be above the limits that he even had for himself set initially yeah so and then it like so that's like the only parallel like i i i imagine there's more little easter eggs in there but mm. like the little parallels like you know the amnesia part and uh, the glider hitting them and then uh doc ock being morally a good guy just put in a bad situation same thing with sandman sandman he was he wasn't technically a bad guy. He was, in the comics, he's trying to get money to save a very sick child of his. See, I hate the Sandman character in the movie. I, oh crap, what was his name? Um, uh, Church? I think it's Church, yeah. Uh, uh, he's in quite a bit of stuff. I know that for Thomas sure. Hayden Church. Yeah, Thomas Hayden right. Church. Um, I, love, I love him as an actor, and I love him portraying this character. But this movie did not need Sandman in it. I'm all it did was overcomplicate and stuff the storyline. Like I think that well, he is a powerful character, and I don't think, and I think he was in there just to be a deterrent to to Peter with the symbiote suit on. Otherwise, like there was he was nothing kind of thing. You know? But it's just it's Spider Man three. I, mm, I, hate, I I don't want to say I'm disappointed in it. I wish it was more. I can see why the critics hated it. It should have been a streamlined story. If you have Sandman in the beginning half, that's fine. It should have the they should have picked Harry as the main villain to finish out his and Peter's story arc, or they should have picked Venom to represent the duality that Peter is trying to deal with. But throwing Sandman in there and trying to have all three, because they didn't even technically work together, did they? Did they have like some sort of meeting or? Uh, in the sewer, he comes up and he goes, he's like, I think our interests align. He was being the creepy Toby. Uh, Topher. Topher Grace yeah. guy. Like they met that one time and that's when they took over that half built construction. Right. And then just. Like, just from, like, a storytelling point of view, like, I feel like they, they close out Harry's storyline perfectly, but for the overall movie, it should have been either Harry or Venom as the main villain, and Sandman, especially coming, like, if you look at, like, the Batman movies of the early 90s, it started off in 1989 with just the Joker. Mm -hmm. And then 1992, we saw Catwoman and Penguin. And then, obviously, it maintained that two-villain rule, which is fine, you know, and it... But I, I feel like Max was a pretty much the worst villain in that, too. Oh, uh, Max Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was... Ugh, fucking Christopher Walken. Like, yeah. he was a villain, but... Like, he wasn't... He never saw any more screen time than he needed to. No. Whereas, like... Spider-Man 3, like, like you have the Goblin for the first movie, you have Doc Ock for the second movie, and then all of a sudden you have New Goblin, Venom, Sandman, and they're shoehorning these characters in, and then you have the symbiote, and Peter struggle with that, and... There's too many dilemmas going on at yeah. once, and, you, and you, you can't find, you can't 
get like the sympathy for the one because that's how the one's taken off. And, right. It's but speaking of screen time, uh, I wish they would have did this character better in the first one. The guy who played a uh, uh, Doctor Strom. Oh yeah, the guy who killed because in the comics that dude's a ruthless dude, and Is he, has he? To, and uh, yeah, he becomes uh, like a. Uh, he becomes one of like a like a computer like a a robot kind of guy. He like puts, an android. <laughs> uh, he puts his mind his mind into a computer. Like Zemo. Yeah, kind of like Zemo, but uh, uh, I can't remember his name. What it was supposed to be, but yeah, yeah, like but they kill him off in that because uh, he he that guy is essentially he's another Spider Man villain. Yeah. But they make him kind of like a pushover because like in the beginning they're like. Is it ready? Is the serum ready? He goes, we need to go back to formula. Which, I mean... Is... Which, it, like, he's just being morally a good scientist. Which, like, uh, in the scientific community, there's a very thin line between, like, scientific uh, research and moral... Right. Like, moral you have obligations, to be able, you know? You have to be able to sweep your morals under the rug when yeah. you need to. Yeah. And but so... at the same time, though, he works out perfectly because you, you see... Osborne, when he shows up, he's not ruthless about a lot of shit, but his business, he's like, no, like, hard and firm on it. We are doing this. Yeah. And, it, but once again, it's almost like a story error because you, it, he almost seems like, oh, no, like, it's fine. Like, the, the formula is fine, you know, whatever. And when Strom's like, no, we have to go back to the beginning mm-hmm. of it and completely restructure it. Osborne's like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, and then he's like, we had one bad test subject out of, like, 20. I was Which, like, that's, that's pretty good scientific odds. <laughs> right, and, I mean, I understand, like, Strom, like you said, Strom being, like, the moral compass there and trying to be like, oh, hey, like, we should probably, just to be safe, do this, and just being completely bulldozed by Osborne, like, okay, fine, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Total Thanos move, but at the <laughs> same time, like, you know, we just... And I'm glad that they didn't make him a villain, because Os... It was just what had been added another villain to the thing. Well, Willem Dafoe is just such a perfectly driving force, and the yeah. fact that they showed him... And they spent half the movie doing just him before he became Spider-Man. So, like, it's already a two-hour movie. Right. And so, like, and back then, that was a lot. But, uh, Well, him showing Osborn being almost like a split personality between the Goblin and Osborn, mm-hmm. brilliant move. And it, it almost gives us, like, another quote-unquote character to play off of. Because the scenes where he's talking to himself in the mirror... Oh, that actually... It was all in one take. He's sitting there talking, and it shows him, like, he's holding... He's, he's looking in the mirror, and then when he's turning around without cutting, you can see when he turns around, and so you can't see the goblin persona in the mirror. He turns around, and you see him, and he has, like, that sad look. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, my gosh, what did I do, kind of thing. Right. And so I was like... And that's just and that's just good acting, good transitioning, and it was it was nice, but, like... The thing I hate about a lot of movies like this is like how uh, this, you know, Osborne for this case, a very successful corporation, right? Like, and his company is bad. This whole corporation is going to go under if this one thing fails. I was like, it, you know, that's a well. In the comics, I'm pretty sure. So I, I don't know about the main six one six comic universe, but the Ultimate Universe, uh, Oscorp. 
is the developer of the radioactive spiders that bite Peter and then uh, further along the line Miles yeah. Morales. And because of that incident and then Otto Octavius working for them, Norman Osborn working for them, the paperwork and S.H.I.E.L.D. getting involved in everything, that's what technically tanks Oscorp. Yeah, see, but, like, in this movie, like, they had no reason why this corporation was about to go under. And he, it was such a, he goes, oh, we lose this, Oscorp is done. I was like, but I a do successful business. Like, why would you put all these eggs in one basket like that? I think that that was um, military contracts, though. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, just and one. I think if they lose one military contract, that probably puts, like, more stress on other uh, contractors to pull out and then go to the more successful one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can I can see it, but. but then not only that, but then you know stocks and shit like oh well the military didn't give this x amount million dollar contract to Oscorp they went to this we're gonna jump ship Oscorp tanks mm-hmm. I don't know how stocks work <laughs> well yeah like if you have more product nothing like that it can't right. drive up prices and it's just worth less but, right well like yeah, I don't know. It, it just bothers me that, like, these reigning corporations will go, you know, bust if one thing fails. And I was like, be realistic. Come on, you know. It's a multitude of, like, uh, Christopher Nolan did a good job on it. He's like, when uh, Wayne Enterprises was slowly tanking because they wouldn't turn on the energy project. Mm-hmm. Like, that thing was, yeah, it took, they were working on that thing for years, you know. Right. Like, that makes sense. Like, that's a big thing. They're putting all, like, again, they're putting all their eggs in that one basket, but that, and that's stupid, and I can't imagine, like, even the board of directors would think that's a good idea kind of right. thing. But, yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I like, so, like, it's one of these <laughs> business deals from these big corporations in these kind of books are garbage, you know. But, at the same time, like, we're also being introduced to them, like, oh, yeah, they were former powerhouses in their fields, but after series over the course of years of mishaps, like, all of a sudden, like, like we're not we're not introduced to them at, like, the top of their game, either. We're, we get brought in, especially, like, in, like, mad scientist comic books or whatever, or, like, shit's going to hit the fan comic books, like, we get introduced... When they're like, hey, if we do this project, it will save our company. Or if it fails, we will completely tank. See, and then, uh, so like the Fantastic Fours uh, companies, like the Future Foundation, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like they know, like their companies are never going to go under. Like, well, see, they're I always successful. Well, see, I don't know. But Reed Richards, it's like. Are they run by the government? Like, are they funded by the government? Or Not the Future Foundation, no. Well, the Future Foundation is funded by the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But the Fantastic Four are in the Baxter building are funded by the government. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the government, they just have government contracts, but like they're it's not like they're but ever they're, gonna go faulty or but anything. But you also like have that. Reed and Reed's, yeah, which, Reed's always up to some fishy shit. See, like, like I don't trust Reed Richards for nothing. And see, and I don't care what like the newer day comics add, like it took decades of comic book stories to make Reed like oh no the I, number one intelligence on the planet no I, I i completely agree i just i see but then they come out with someone like moon girl who's in it for seven issues and she's like oh she's the smartest person i was like mm, I'm, I'm gonna go with reed i don't care what the writer no says, no I, so. i'm not i'm not gonna discount that reed's the yeah. smartest person on the planet what i'm saying is reed is always up to some sketchy shit like <laughs> like i'm i'm sorry like but making even, the, even with tony like the 
what are they called? Prison 42? Like, yeah, Prison 42 and then the Council of Reeds. Like, that that <laughs> technically wasn't our read, though. That was the multiversal reads. I know, but like, it, but it seems like every read is up to something. But he, like, they even like gave up family to be on this council kind of thing to right. protect the multiverse. And but like him, like, okay, him himself is just like, like you're. I'm sorry. Even if you have Tony Stark, T'Challa, and who else was on the Prison Project? Hank. Yes. Hank then. Yeah. Even if you subtracted those three, you know Reed came up with over half that shit by oh, himself. Yeah. You know, But he's also had experience with the negative zone having to essentially build a quote-unquote prison to keep the negative zone portals closed. But at the same time, I'm like, Reed, you're really good at building shit. And I think Sue said it too. She's like, you built shit to imprison our friends yeah which is why i love sue storm because she does not take his shit well and and like when you when you say that like you made something to imprison our friends that takes me back to the civil war Mm storylines one and two where uh they had the the precognition that spider-man is the one oh in civil war two with ulysses yeah or uh there or in the first one mm. when they talk when the when they're uh they want to take uh, spider-man they want to put him taking the or no that is number two because they were yeah. like because uh captain marvel wants to put peter in prison miles it was miles what was yeah it's got to be the first one the first one yeah oh because because uh, tony was like thor make sure he gets home and she doesn't fall kind of like He's like, but I, I need to go to the Capitol. I want to know, like, why would I why would I fight Captain America? Not knowing that Secret Empire is going on at the same time. I was like, ah. <laughs> And he's like, evil So, Captain did America. the Vision end up playing out during Secret Empire? So, the the way... I need to reread it, but... So, like, at the end of Civil War, it ends with uh, Captain Marvel pretty much killing Tony by blasting the right. hell out of him. Yeah, because he's in a coma. Because... Water. After Thor uh, drops uh, Miles off at home, he's like, I need to go to the Capitol building. I need, I was like, so what is going on that has, like, why would I kill Captain America? That makes no sense. Why would I kill Captain America? And Captain America's talking to that scientist. He's like, I'm going to go to the Capitol building right now. Right. He's like, why would you do that? He's like, I just want to see what's going to go on. He's like, you know, he's visioned to kill you, right? And he's like, he is. But he's not going to do it today. Right. And then he ends up going there, meeting with uh, Miles Morales. And that's when Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, comes and tries to nab him up. And Tony comes and then they have their big fight. And that's when everyone finds out that. And see, I love how Steve, at this point, is the biggest enemy on the fucking planet. Yeah, because that like... nobody knows about. And he was super... Like it was like it, the story of it was incredible because they they have that force field up around Earth mm-hmm. so and Carol can get back so yeah oh like some of the big cosmic heavy hitters are all out on space because he still the Chitari queen mm-hmm. puts her on Earth and puts that force field up so all the Chitari uh, are constantly trying to get through this force field around Earth and all the other cosmic powered people are off the planet not be able to get back on. Well, for one, because of the force field, plus they have to fight off 
wave after wave after wave of Tatari. I just I would have Doctor loved... Strange is gone because he makes the makes them fight the void and they go into like that the the void zone. The dark and, the dark hold? Yeah. And so uh Yeah, they because the he dark has cloak hold. and dagger with him there. Yeah. And she And so he doesn't have to worry about Doctor Strange he doesn't have to worry about Doctor Strange taking him out kind of thing and, and see I just I I need to read up And Iron Man is just yeah and Iron Man is just too preoccupied with yeah. With uh, Carol Danvers at the time, Hawkeye's in prison because he killed Bruce. Yeah, and see, I need to read see, like, the oh, Alpha there's... Flight version or the Alpha Flight tie-ins to Secret Empire because I really hope that's a fucking slap in the face for Carol. That oh shit, Steve is now evil. Maybe I should have let Miles kill him. Yeah, and Vulcan and like, but it was like the when you talk about like. Any Spider-Man character, they have all have the same like morals. morality, yeah. and it, like like because they're like, oh, we have to take him in. Like he's gonna kill Captain America, and right. even Captain America's like, he's like, I'm no, I'm not gonna do this. And that's when Tony's like, are you? He's like, listen to yourself right now. You're about to put a child in prison mm-hmm. for something he hasn't done. We, he's like, and that's when Tony was like. He's like, this is why we don't know like about Ulysses. Like, we don't know like the like how accurate his stuff is. Like, it was when he pictured the Hulk losing his shit, and that's why Bruce is like, Clint, please shoot. See, me. though, I think but I, I they they that. thought of it, but it wasn't Bruce Banner Hulk that went nuts. Um, it was Amadeus Chow. And see, I think Bruce may have had that as a contingency plan. Because he says at the time that he hasn't turned in like a year or something. Yeah, he's because like, he's working on trying not to transform. Yeah, see, like in Ulysses, he didn't have like the, he couldn't like dial in like what was going on, and that's when he's like, no, like, this, and that's the whole story of it. They're like, do you put people in the prison for a crime they haven't committed yet? Or, and Carol's like, no, like we can't. We can't let that crime even happen. He's like, but they haven't done anything yet. Which is what I love. About Tony's personal growth in the comics. Yeah, because he was on the side of the government. Pro-registration. He wanted heroes to be held accountable. And now, all of a sudden, he's like, no, wait. Like, like, we need the actual justice system to be allowed to work before we become superpower dictators. And, like, that, like, what, it took a decade between Civil War and Civil War II? Yeah. And I'm... Like, I, I'm not going to say I read every Iron Man story between then, but for him to straight up be pro-registration, we need to know your name, your abilities, your powers, as director of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time, to know we need to let this shit happen and then act accordingly is monumental character growth. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, I mean, and it it goes to show that even somebody who the MCU completely butchered because 90% of their issues were his fault. <laughs> but that, 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 that was how he was, like, in the comics. Like, he was very much like, no, this is what we're doing. What I say is right, blah, blah, blah. And then to go to, no, like, we need for the criminal justice system to be able to do this for these people is like I said, it's just monumental character growth that you don't necessarily see in comic books. Yep. And, and that's what 
makes that such a compelling story too and like i like how civil War II, civil war 2 is like the main thing going on and there's a bunch of side story like one-offs that tie into that and then secret empire is a big one that ties into it like it's mm. their both storylines are going parallel and so they're going on at the same time but no. then you have at the no, very end secret empire isn't going along at the same time but it's ramping up in the side stories yeah look so like because the whole reason i'm pretty sure secret empire takes place after civil war Two because no it goes on during it everybody's involved during the civil war but captain america is being the the spy high, high agent he's the one that gets uh uh puts the whispers in the ears of because he ends up killing black widow because she starts finding him out not until empire yeah it's during because empire it, because it's not him that kills her it's punisher no, punisher she leads no because he punches her in the back of the neck with a shield Oh, yeah, but it's not until actual Secret Empire, because she leads the Champions team into New York, or no, Washington, to take him out, and she lets the kids go, Yeah, and but then he like, attacks her. But you'll see in the Secret Empire, he's talking, he's he's hearing, uh, he's whispering something to Ulysses, because he's hiding in a in the, like uh one of their bases right and that's where he gets uh black bolt and then humans involved because the inhumans want to take him because he technically isn't inhuman right but carol danvers is it and he's the one putting whispers in everyone's ear to get civil war started i need to reread it but uh, it's so good and then so so like so they're going on pretty much the same time but there's a lot of like one-off stories that tie into it and then eventually it's all ends in the future during Old Man Logan storyline. Not the Old Man Logan storyline we know. No, no. But it's in that dystopian future. And because so at the then very I'll need end, to reread that or read that period because I haven't read it. So yeah, because no after the the big climax at the end of Civil War Two, Ulysses ends up projecting the visions to everybody. Up. And while he's projecting all the visions, he himself is in the future. And he sees, I see a, a massive green monster about to attack me. Then someone jumps on it, slays the beast. You don't see the man's face, but he's like, you're not from you're not from around here, are you, bub? No, because doesn't Ulysses end up traveling into that world? Because he... He becomes, like, so powerful. Like, he's projecting on everyone's No, no, this, this, this is before he projects. Like, like, as his powers are expanding, like... He ends up seeing a future version, which is the dystopian Old Man Logan timeline. And he actually ends up in that timeline himself. Yeah. And then he comes back and then the story continues. Yeah, because cause they also show like a world where Ultron was successful. They show a world where Apocalypse was successful. And he's like, this is what you guys don't understand. Like. I, I see everything. I see every possibility. And then that's when the Celestials come yeah. down and take him because he's become something beyond even a human or an inhuman. Yeah, so like I thought that was pretty cool. I wish the Inhumans would have, were going to be in it more considering like he, you know, he wasn't inhuman and yeah. Black Bolt put up such a, a you know, a fight in the beginning for it, but then he's just like But that was also like at the end of the Inhumans reign at Marvel because Fight or not, Feige, Pearlman, Pearl Mutter, Pearl Mutter was out, and 
they were working on reinstituting the X-Men back into the comics. I know. They're, like, I think they have some good writing. I I think, you know, in the comic book world, their comic books are, like, kind of collapsing right now. But Yeah. But, it, you know, it is what it is. But those were some good storylines. And, like, some of the dialogue in some of these, like, during Civil War One, when uh, the Punisher killed somebody and Captain America just beating the hell out of him. He's like, I'm not going to fight you. And he finds out that, like, Cap is, like, the Punisher's only hero at that point. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, it, it, it shows these characters in a completely, you know, like, these Marvel events are a dime a dozen anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, these big events, like the Civil War series, is, and it really shows not necessarily the moral stance of these characters, it shows more of how deep that these characters are. Because as far as I knew, you didn't know that Cap was the Punisher's hero. You didn't realize... No, it's like, it's never came up. Yeah. But like, in comic book wise, like Frank Castle fought in Vietnam. Right. And so you would think like, if he was going to have any heroes, but like anybody... It would make sense that it would be Cap. Yeah, because anybody alive during like that time, or even like this time... Like, who's their only hero they could really have? And right. Was like, you know, Captain America was literally everyone's, like, hero. You know, right. he's, he wasn't the first superhero, but he's looked at as, like, the, you know, the first hero. But it's, it's also, like, they don't have a cut-and-dry, this-is-good-this-is-bad type thing on these. Because, like, so the first Civil War was set pretty similar to what the MCU Civil War was, except for it was... A town in Connecticut that blew up, including a school full of kids. Yeah, it was a school bus full of kids. Which drives Tony's guilt to creating the Registration Act and pushing for it so hard. But in Civil War One, Tony, like, because the guy... the Well, the... it technically the government drafts the Registration Act, but Tony is, like, the chief enforcer of Why it. Why not? The reason it happened is because of those four, and then one guy has, like... A... Oh, the, the New Warriors, like... They ambush a group of supervillains living in a home. And that's and one of the supervillains like has the power to like make massive concussion blasts or something like that. And they yeah. gave him a serum to make him stronger. These, yeah. These hero. And I can't remember where that serum came from, but I don't think it was Tony's fault. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not saying that it's it's his fault. I'm no, just I'm saying... just trying to remember what it was because because it blows up. Yeah. And he's like, and the the blast was just much bigger than what anyone thought it was. And Tony was like. Well, what? Well, no, like, like, because they the team of superheroes was the New Warriors, and they were filming a reality show that showed them going essentially like cops, oh. like going and busting in on supervillains, and they busted in and it caused this explosion. And Tony's like, nobody thought to evac the town. Nobody thought to like clear civilians out because like, he was director of shield at this time yeah and which i get like if this is what you're gonna do but mm-hmm. I, I i wouldn't ever agree with like the registration kind of thing but like if this show was gonna go after these people like what's this guy's powers can he right. you know, move metal or and granted, he makes concussion blasts you're like how big concussion blasts can he really do you and know? granted you know like especially if it's like a scene operation if like they're actually operating as quote-unquote law officers yeah because most superheroes Oh, they see a bad guy, they beat him down, knock him out, tie him up, the cops come and deal with them, or S.H.I.E.L.D. comes and deal with them. Yeah. But these people were acting like 
cops, and granted, they have no legal authority, they have no legal standing, but at the same time, they just decide to go and essentially citizens arrest these people. And it's... it's a yeah, because they, they didn't have any authority from, like, any government. No, no, no. They were just basically going to arrest them for their reality show. And it's... It's that that actually causes Tony, you know, because they draft, Congress drafts a bill requiring all superpowered people, whether it's tech, magic, abilities, whatever, they have to register their full name, address. Because uh, it was a big issue with the powers. Yeah. Oh no, the mutants sat out. Yeah, they were like. No. Uh, Tony. Tony approached Emma Frost directly. Scott wasn't involved, which those two were, the chief. I think headmaster and headmistress at the Xavier school. Um, and Emma straight up said, if we will not side with any side, but if you come here again, we will join caps. And Tony's like, we don't need a war with the mutants. We're going to be okay with that. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, good decision. <laughs> right? Um, but they, but the whole reason why they decided to stay out of it was because the registration act, mirrored i think it was actually like an old draft or an edited draft of the mutant registration act yeah and they're just like how would you fucking ask us to even consider registering for anything like this yeah because then you know because well on to another comic what if you start making mutants register it starts it's gonna turn into the days of future past right and uh but uh tony Obviously, you know, he just feels terrible because the bill is named after one of the kids that died. Tony actually ends up meeting the mother of the kid who died. And she, you know, essentially drums this guilt into him. Like, you people have no control. You people have no oversight. Every time you battle anything, it's always hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage minimum. You might have 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 casualties because of this, no matter how good your intentions are. You know, and it it hammers home a a really good point that superhero battles are brutal. Like, like you have people who can shoot lasers. You have people who can shapeshift. You have people who... Warp reality. (laughs) Warp reality, you know. And... They have, like, the normal humans still outnumber superhumans, like, 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be casualties. There's going to be damage. All sorts of shit. And so, you know, like, you you really see, like, hey, maybe there is a cause for this. But you can't really push for it because then you have the oppo- uh, opposing side of Cap. And he's like, I've seen registration before. Yeah, he was he, he was in Nazi Germany. Yeah, you know, he's like, I lived through this. And not only that, but if you start registering super people, we don't just have criminals coming after us and our families. We have super criminals. Yeah. Like, as, you know, like the initial podcast was, Spider-Man, like, Spider... Tony convinces Peter to unmask yeah, on, on national, national television. television. And during the Civil War. During Civil War, yeah. And he, you know, has to deal with supervillains and criminals going after his then-wife, Mary Jane Watson, 
Because no criminal is going to willingly go for the registry. Right. And after that, like, now he's got these people who were like, oh, we can't beat Peter Parker. We can't beat Spider-Man. But we'll we're going to go after Yeah. And, you know, Mary Jane, who was his wife, was a very famous supermodel at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have Spider-Man his elder- can't be in more than one place. You know? Yeah. You have his elderly Aunt May. You have... Mary Jane's Aunt Anna. I don't know if she actually had parents in the comics at that point. I can't remember. I don't... Oh, I don't think I so. know that they brought Aunt, her Aunt Anna in from, like, the TV show. But, uh... But, yeah. Like, and then that leads to the Kingpin, who is currently in prison, putting a hit out on Peter. Which, a, look how many not even non-super yeah. villains. There's just very accurate assassins at this point. You're just... I don't, immense amount of people and like i think tony really screwed up doing that but oh yeah and it's it's a whole thing and uh you just you know you see cap side you see tony side there's no cut and dry answer to this no it's it it uh, you have to walk the line you know yeah like, and it's it's it's, it's kind of like the you know the justices we have now like yeah you know we need people in place to, you know, put authority to rule, kind of stuff like that. But yeah. you, we can't give them too much power, else it's, right. a, you know, you get get rid of your freedoms and stuff like that. And and they in in the in the comic in Civil War, like they really don't come out and explain like what side is better. Like no, and, it just doesn't end well when both sides are going at it. Yeah, and know? that I'm pretty sure at the end they straight up because like technically quote-unquote, technically, Tony's side wins. Yeah. Because Cap surrenders. But it's Cap that sees that. He's like, we have caused so much damage. There's actually two endings to it. Well, yeah. But, like, <laughs> like the ending to the actual war. Yeah. Uh, Cap's like, we have caused so much damage and destruction and p- the public trust in heroes is gone. It's completely shot because yeah. we have, like, killed so many of our own people we've imprisoned so many of our own people like there's no way we come back from this and he surrenders and somebody i can't remember exactly who but somebody says to tony oh hey we just won and tony's like no like there was no winning yeah once we got to this point yeah because like in the modern in in the modern version now uh crossbones assassinates cap while he's fighting tony and they're like, really? Because I just reread Civil War, and maybe it's the old version where he kills. No, Crossman. No, Cap goes to the courthouse for his trial again for treason or whatever yeah. for during the war, and that's when Sharon Carter assassinates him. Maybe because she's hypnotized why by. I, why am I thinking Crossbones? Because you cause love in the middle Crossbones. Because they're in the middle of a fight and he gets shot like right there. Out out of all the Captain America stories I read, I have not seen a Crossbones story yet. Oh. But Sharon was hypnotized by one of Cap's villains. I can't remember off the top of my head. And she is the one that ends up assessing him. That's why like everybody's like looking for like the smoking gun like around the perimeter. But nobody, it was a pretty good shot. <laughs> yeah, nobody expected it to be her. Yeah, and so like, I, and then it goes into that where he's like, "Hey, we won," and Tony's like, "Oh, we all lost." Yeah, because like, like you said at that point, like there could be a registry, there can be a non-registry. 
But like you, like no superhero either side is gonna register. Like and uh, and no one's gonna have your trust in. Like you're gonna show up. Someone's gonna show up to save a life, and people who are registered are probably gonna get sued. Because yeah, I can't remember. It's like the over the edge episode. Yeah, Batman the animated series. in the Batman the animated series when they find out that when they come out on the TV and say Bruce Wayne is Batman, you have like Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Mad Hatter and somebody else are on Harley, that. Harley Mad Hatter was it Clayface? No, it wasn't Clayface. No. But anyways, but they're on the they're on the talk show and they're like, Ivy. It was Ivy. Yeah, and they're looking at they're like, we're gonna sue Bruce, you know, Bruce Wayne for, for emotional trauma and yeah. damages. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, yeah, my man Paul Dini. Well, <laughs> technically, they have a case. Yeah, they do. It's like, you know. You know, for Batman being justice, yeah. know, he serves a lot of injustice. You well, know? he doesn't serve a lot of injustice. He beats the hell out of yeah. people. But you know what, though? They didn't do a really good job that early on in the series of showing like the quote-unquote social justice side of Bruce Wayne. Because for as many villains as he beat up, as many... Well, I guess, he, I guess they kind of did, because he never took them to jail. He never took them to prison he never killed anybody he took them to arkham which to be fair is supposed to be a hospital a mental hospital where the criminally insane are supposed to be quote-unquote cured and honestly even if like even with you know the judicial system that we have if batman you know stopped this person and the police got to him Uh it was it's still yet that's not the only crime that person's ever commit they're probably wanted yeah. For many other things. Anyway. And why... So, going off of that, you know, you would be like, okay, like... Harley Quinn, she's batshit crazy. Yeah. Poison Ivy, I mean, she's an eco-terrorist. Uh, the Joker, if he's run through the actual criminal justice system, why has he not been put to death yet? Oh my goodness, yeah. Like, so, like, the only... Like, there's only two stories I know where Batman killed somebody. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying Batman killing him. I'm saying he arrests him. I know, but like, he goes to that's prison. the justice you should be. Yeah. That, that's the thing. And so, uh, but like, in the very first Batman comic ever, like the very first one, yeah. I'm pretty sure he kills somebody. He drags him away, I, holding I, off, like, hanging from a helicopter. I think I heard that. Like, like, they don't necessarily show it, but it's heavily implied that he murdered somebody. And. A lot of the comics for Batman back when it was just detective comics, uh, he was very fast and loose with a lot of like the rules that he follows now. Like, mm-hmm. no guns. He was constantly having a gun. No killing. He was constantly... And it, it wasn't like the big name villains, obviously, but like henchmen. Like, he was a straight up murdering henchmen out there. And now he's like, oh, hey, Bruce Wayne has like this job opportunity for uh, reformed criminals mm-hmm. and or... Uh, yeah, it was nothing like that. Yeah, no. And honestly, I prefer, like, the quote-unquote social justice Bruce because, and social justice Batman, just because it shows that instead of just beating the hell out of these people and tossing them in jail and forgetting about them until they show up on the street, he's like, oh, hey, Wayne Enterprises has a position open for you because we're trying to do this, or... And it'd be cheap labor. Or these, like, <laughs> scholarships for, you know, reform See, And that would seem like that would be a road his dad would take. Thomas? Yeah. Well, 
Like he was like he was like he like because Thomas Wayne wanted to make Gotham a better place, kind of thing. And see, like that would be that's kind of like showing Thomas's influence because obviously you know he died when he was like between eight and ten. Yeah. But like Thomas and Martha wanted to show Bruce that it wasn't just about their wealth. It wasn't just about their money or their place in Gotham society. It was as Martha was a huge philanthropist. She ran charities like it was her fucking business because it was. And, you know, obviously uh, Thomas was a doctor, so he couldn't do as much. But he tried to drive home into Bruce like, hey, no, we we help those who need help. We yeah. we have so much, but we can rebuild Gotham from the ground up if we look at the homeless and be like, OK, hey, here's a shelter. If we look at the kids living in poverty and be like, hey, here's free schooling or whatever, you know. And the animated series did a decent job of portraying that, which I think we've kind of like lost along the way of Batman just beating on bad guys. Yeah. And then so that comes like, there's probably three storylines where the Joker technically dies. Two of them for sure. And that's, that's the one I was talking about when the second person Batman kills is the Joker. And that's in the storyline. Like, they have one linear story going, and then they decide Superman ends up killing the Joker, and that starts in the Injustice storyline. And then there's the one where Batman stops Superman from killing him, and it because it leads it up to the same thing where, like, a bomb is about to go off. Yeah, they save him. He goes, Clark, go back to Metropolis, find the bomb. You'll be able to hear it. The Flash is running around. He's going to find it. And, and Superman, one, he goes, he goes, Bruce. And the, he didn't call him Batman. He calls him Bruce. And that's when Joker's like, ooh, Bruce, you know. Speaking of, have you seen the Harley Quinn animated series? The animated series? Yeah, like it's, it's on HBO Max. Uh, they have Bat Joker and... I think it's Scarecrow and a couple of other villains have Batman tied up. His arms are above his head. And Scarecrow, like, Joker's off monologuing because he won or whatever. <laughs> and Scarecrow walks up to Batman and he's like, oh, let's see who's behind this mask finally. He lifts the cowl and you're like, billionaire Bruce Wayne and Joker loses his shit. He's like, I didn't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Half of our relationship was me not knowing who he was. I, I, I read that somewhere. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure the clip has been everywhere yeah, at this yeah. point, but it's just, it's a, it's a moment of pure hilarity, and honestly, in main continuity, I think if Joker were to ever find out, well, in uh, Scott Snyder's Death of the Family, it's widely implied that Joker knows the identities of Bruce and the rest of the Bat family. Mm -hmm. And Bruce is like, no, because I went to Arkham after, like, one of the first times I caught him, and I pretended to be Batman while I was with him or something. And I'll make it so he's just one of his like delusions. No, he just doesn't care. Uh -oh. He 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 doesn't care who's behind the cowl. He just wants the Batman. Like yeah. like whoever it is underneath of it, like it, that person doesn't exist. It's just Batman for him. And I'm like, that makes a shit ton of sense considering he could have like, I don't think that there's ever been an in-universe storyline where he's, uh, quote-unquote, officially found out Batman's secret identity. Yeah, well, in this one, like, Superman calls him Bruce. He's like, Bruce, huh? Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, he's like Clark. 
I will take care of it. I promise you. He will never hurt you again. And he's like, he's like, no, you say this all the time. He goes, Clark. And he puts his hands on his shoulders. He's like, Clark, I'll, I'll take care of this. I promise you with everything about me, he will never hurt you again. And so he puts the Joker in the Batmobile. He's sitting there and they're driving in it, but then they're just driving forever. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like the Joker's still making stupid quips. He's like, so what are you going to do this and that? And then all of a sudden, like, uh, cause Lois is pregnant. Yeah. Superman was losing his mind, like, wanting to kill a Joker. He's like, no, he almost killed my wife. He almost killed my family. Mm. He wants to destroy this city. He's like, you need to take care of this. And when they were driving, like, he, like the Joker's just rambling on, rambling on, rambling on. All of a sudden, he reaches over, snaps his neck, pulls up to the police station, turns himself in. And then it shows, like... Bruce is in prison. Lois has her and Clark's daughter. Yeah. He's like, it's a girl. He goes, how did you know? He goes, 50-50 guess. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, with you know, you know, I can get you out of here. There's no one that would stop. Me. He goes, no, I need to serve my time. They say I might get out if good behavior. And he goes, from what I hear, you're, you know, you're starting a lot of fights. He's <laughs> like, I'll be all right. And he's like, he's like, just go take care of your family. And that's when like Superman gets up, walks through the wall, and hugs Bruce. Which is funny considering you know you think he killed the Joker. Whether it's in Gotham or Metropolis, Bruce Wayne would have been... Whether, you know, he's on the hook for vigilantism or whatever, yeah. you would honestly think that Bruce Wayne would have been hailed as a fucking hero. Oh, yeah. But, like, he drops the do Joker dead on the steps of the police uh, building. Like... I don't think that there's a single cop in Gotham that would have booked him that day. No, especially, like, since all the cops he's killed, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, what's the... Uh, it's on Christmas Eve, uh, the Joker sets up... Oh, like, Christmas with the Joker? I know that this, it was one of Kyle Higgins' like top picks. Oh. Uh, and yeah, it would have been Christmas. Because he ends it up... Because he's there's he's doing like random shootings and killing people at malls trying to get like the Christmas oh, rush no. and then that... and then they end up capturing him but then he has like automated systems up to keep shooting people and so he's like sitting there and he's like ha 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 he's like you think you you think you guys won and he want because the Joker wanted to get caught on purpose that's when Bolt comes in mm -hmm. puts his badge on the table and then starts beating the hell out of the Joker <laughs> with a, like a phone book or something like that. Oh, man, it's like... I fucking love Harvey Bullock. Like, he does not get enough love. Because I want to say it's before he's captured, that's the one where, like, uh, Dick Grayson, he's still a Robin. He's trying to beat somebody. He's trying He's trying to stop these drug cartel guys. I'm pretty sure that is Christmas with the Joker. And he gets caught inside of... Uh, the. He gets in a car. Someone's trying to, like, help him get away, and it ends up being the Joker, and he's, like, tying him up with Christmas lights, and... He's just driving around the city mowing people down in a car. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Christmas with the okay. Joker because I don't remember, other than Holiday Nights, I don't remember there being that many Christmas episodes of that. Yeah. Because then he ends up, he ends up back at like some TV studio and he has like, I think Renee Montoya tied up yep. and on like quote unquote fake train tracks, but it's an <laughs> actual train barreling towards her. And that's the only one I can remember where Dick was still Robin. That was good. Good, good storylines. I fucking love Paul Dini. <laughs> I and know. And Bruce Tim and <sighs> the entire animation. Legend. 
Oh, that was, that <laughs> so, was I so good. So uh, I actually got Temperance watching Tiny Toon Adventures. <laughs> I had Noah watching Tiny Toon Adventures. By the time he left, he was singing the song nonstop. Yeah, I love that song. And most of those episodes are wrote by Paul Dini. <laughs> what? Yeah. No way. Yep. Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh my god. Yep, and he does... Uh, Agents of Smash. He wrote. All oh, he did. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense though. Yeah. But then, uh, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Batman the animated series. Because he would have been, Avengers. he would have been writing those at the same time. Yep. Because he, uh, yeah, he was like employed by Warner Brothers. Yeah, but still, like that's that's crazy to crank that's out. That's good writing though. But... I like. I mean, I don't know if Tiny Toons won as many awards as Batman did, but <laughs> Batman, like, if you look at the Batman the animated series, it is. Top notch animation. It's top notch storytelling. Like, it, like it's still over the edge and heart of ice. It's, uh, heart of ice. Let me tell you, if I watch that on a good day, I'll cry. Is it? It's so heartbreaking. It's, yeah, you you can't be upset that Mister Freeze is the villain. You know, and it's it's so, like the blue coloring in it. It's it's such a beautiful story. And well. Uh, they did it, I want to say they did it for the first two seasons. They did all the artistry on black paper. Yeah. And that's what made some of the colors just really pop. But it became, like, super expensive to make the the episodes that way. Well, but... fun fact about Heart of Ice. Up until that point, Mr. Freeze was just, like, a generic ice villain. Yeah, like, he didn't that, have any prominent yeah. step in the That in was the... Heart of Ice was the retcon to his entire story, and it's been the same way ever since. Except for, well, the New 52 kind of had it, but Nora, instead of being his wife, was his, like, teaching assistant, and he kind of murdered her. <laughs> and, but, but Heart of Ice, I mean, if you watch Batman the Animated Series for the first time, and you can watch that without crying... Kudos to you because it is it's heart wrenching. He's not just a villain out to kill people. He's not just stealing jewels or money for the hell of it. He's yeah. He's like he's only like he only fights Batman because Batman's in his way yeah. of trying to do what he's trying to do to save like, his life. Like he never actually aims to hurt people. He no, never aims like... to injure anyone yeah he doesn't go out of his way to make things to like destroy people which is why i'm like why does bruce i know i just like step in yeah paul dini he also wrote the storylines for arkham asylum and arkham city games oh no shit yeah and then uh he wasn't invited rockstar didn't bring him back for arkham origins or arkham knight he just he just, he just wrote for the first two games Oh, those games are great. But yeah, they are. There's, awesome. <laughs> and he's like, those are some of the hardest things to do because it's like you have your main storyline, but you also have to write if you make certain decisions during this. Because there's like three different ways, four different ways you can start tingenting off into other things that lead back into the story. Right. So you have to write the storyboard out to like, what well, if you took this path to go to the end and. Or and this you know, path. and you know, because gaming fans are vicious they something doesn't are they're brutal and if he were just to be like oh well instead of doing this you died they'd be like that's it like you can't even just like lead us down like a further maze to like get us out of this or whatever no you just died well fuck you polini well it's so like uh, during i forget what they called it but the government tried shutting down 
like uh no man's land no they tried they tried they put a big kibosh on how violent video games could be oh that um uh, gamer gate or whatever the hell they called it no gamer gate is something else but um, but like the government tried to like really hammer can, down the yeah. violent video games and it took like it did not last long because you know all these gamers were like... Gamers uh, will fucking kill you. Yeah, they're, they're vicious people. <laughs> they're terrible. Just god-awful. So, we have, we've been talking about Paul Dini. He's a writer for these shows. And a lot of people who write for shows don't write for movies. They don't do screenplays. Like, But I think if you gave Paul Dini the liberations to actually write a movie... Like, you being a published writer and everything, do you think it's easier to write smaller stories for, like, like if you were going to write a TV show? Or do you think there you could do more if you were going to write a movie script? Oh, okay. Um, so, honestly, my writing style is very unique. Um, I prefer more of a serialization. More of the television um movies movies tend to throw a lot at you very fast oftentimes and they're more of uh they're more of a vehicle for say bigger stories like things that you want to just be like boom here it is here is your beginning here is your middle here is your end um, if you work it out so that you have a franchise, you can tell more of that story, but you also run the risk, especially since movies have such a large turnaround time, of essentially losing the plot. Whereas TV shows, you're allowed to get more in-depth with characters, with plots, everything else. So uh, do you think it's better to write, let's say... Okay, let's, like, I understand some of these movies, they aren't guaranteed to have, like, the Sam Raimi, mm. Spider-Man movies. He wasn't 100% guaranteed that he was going to get three, four movies out of it. All he knows, he could have just had one. And so he had to write, in a, I imagine he had to write in a way that, like, it could have ended after that one, or it could have continued. So, like, let's say you got offered a job. Would you have rather, let's say you were guaranteed three movies to tell your story. Would you rather have those three movies or would you have, rather have like a 15 episode season to, to tell your story? That is a hard one. <laughs> um, honestly, it would depend on what story. Uh, and I well, say... let's, uh, let's go... Uh, how many books do you have now? Two. But I've written them in a sense that they are quote-unquote serialized they, but you're like you're working on your third book though. yes so let's say you were gonna make a you had there was no budget limit you could tell your story out of your three books for three movies would you rather have the three movies or would you rather tell the entire series in episode segments do you think does, would your book work better in smaller segments or in like three movies Now you have me thinking. Uh, honestly, the way I have written these books, they end 
so that the story is closed yet open to continue. The third book will actually close out this chapter of the series. So, but leave a very open-ended um, way to segue into a future part of it. Um, so, I would honestly say the movies would work better for this story. You, as a writer, because there's dozens of scripts that were written for movies that have segued into being TV shows just because either studios didn't want them or as you start to edit and break down your script, it ends up just being like, oh, well, maybe I can transition this better to TV and as opposed to like the big screen. These would work better as TV just because of the way I have written them. Um, they would work a lot better to be movies. Um, just with the actual closing out the story, but like leaving it open for a sequel type of writing that I have done. So you would rather do movies then? It depends on the story, <laughs> but yes. Okay then. So let's say the story's already been told. Like let's say... Uh, Marvel hires you to write the screenplay for a movie or write a screenplay for a movie. Would you would you want to write or tell your own version of that story or would you want to or do you want to see a certain story that's already you know like if you take like Secret Empire they're like write the screenplay for Secret Empire. Would you want to write your own version of that story or would you or do you want to write it so you can see what the actual story that already was originally made up. So I have, obviously I'm a huge behind the scenes nerd. I'm a huge, uh, technical geek on like, especially since like the Marvel movies have become massive, you know, like they're a massive force in the movie industry as of right now. So, license to print money. <laughs> yeah. Um, no matter what we do, as long as a Marvel movie comes out, the economy will not take. <laughs> That's why we're getting four this year. Um, but we... I, I've looked into, like, how, like, the Russo brothers... Or not... Is it the Russo brothers? They do most of them. They, yeah, they did Captain America. They did Infinity War. They did Endgame. Um... Marvel itself honestly puts out kind of an outline of do's and don'ts for their story. And depending on your characters, obviously they had a much bigger toy box to play with. Um, depending on your characters, depending on location, you have certain rules to follow by certain story beats. Like... If I were to write a Secret Empire movie, I would have to start off with Steve essentially, like, maybe not necessarily dipping back into the rewritten past of him becoming a Hydra agent, but I would have to explore that at some point, and it would probably be fairly early on, and it would, like, escalate from there. Like, we would see him doing the shady shit that he did, you know, show him being the brilliant tactician that he is, because Homeboy <laughs> is fucking intelligent. <laughs> he um, he, he took out every single major Marvel hero 
without doing anything. Yeah. Like, he is brilliant. And they were lucky that this was, like, the only event that he was ever against them. <laughs> uh, but it would show him slowly setting up his stuff. It would show, you know, but I would also have to read the source material. Like, I might be able to change because Marvel's very big on not pushing characters, ideas, anything that goes beyond... They, they are very meticulous in planning. So, like, their What If series, or What If animated series that's currently on Disney+. Plus. When they started crafting that, the one thing, the one rule that they had to follow was that they could not pull any characters, any storyline ideas, anything from Phase 4, which is Black Widow through, I think, 2023. They can't introduce Galactus. They can't introduce... Uh, the Fantastic Four, they can't do anything that might be touched on during Phase 4. Other than that, everything else is open-ended. So you have to follow their rules. Um, and I can't really give, I can't really think of like a, because like to get away, that's like any other franchise or story that be told that has a source material, like, you know, uh, like books. Like books they turn into, like movie adaptation of books can't really give you a good example of what I'm trying to say, because, like, it all comes down to, would you rather just write your own version of that story, or would you go off the source material? Let's say it's not Marvel, and you don't have your rules. Like, if I if I had to go back and, like, rewrite Harry Potter, there, there there's still rules for adaptations. Some of them are more fast and loose than other adaptations, and some of them aren't. Like... The Devil Wears Prada, easily one of my favorite movies. If you read the book, the book and the movie are almost two different stories. Very similar. It's about Andy Sachs, about Miranda Priestly. Everything else almost changes. In the book, she has a roommate. She doesn't live with her boyfriend. Uh, she doesn't have the group of friends that she has in the movie. Um... She, you see her parents, both of her parents, and they are very close to her. In the movie, it's more focused on Andy primarily at runway and Andy at home and her dissolving relationships because of her job at runway. You, as a, as a screenwriter, adapting anything from source material, you have to pick and choose how to write it. Essentially, you have to pick what am I going to focus on? What am I going to cut? Because you will have only so much to adapt. Because honestly, like a 400 page, like Harry Potter, for instance. Yeah, they put that whole book in there. That'd be like 12 hour movies. <laughs> right. And you, the casual viewer does not realize how much is cut. How, I don't even realize how much is actually cut. Until I go back there and do a reread. But then you like watch the movies and you're just kind of like, oh, this is missing, this is missing, this didn't happen, or this happened instead. And it's obviously because books have no budget. They, they, they really don't. You can do whatever the hell you want in books. 
But the second you start adapting that to a screenplay, you have to take in your budgetary restrictions. You have to take in dozens. What can you do practically? Practically CGI. You have to take in editors, um, what the studio wants, what the director wants. Like it's, you have a lot more input doing a screenplay than you do doing a book. Your book, you have basically to answer to your editor and your publisher, whereas a screenplay, you have so many more people (laughs) over you that are like, and there's a lot of times where even the screenplay that you write may not fully be what ends up on the screen between uh, cut scenes or the director changing it on the fly. You know, it's... Well, like we were talking about earlier before we started recording like uh the seventh jason movie Mm -hmm. like it had the screenplay written out they were filming and after they were done filming they were trying to get rated uh, a rating on it which they knew they were getting rated r but Mm -hmm. but they kept getting uh, like an x rating because the uh napp or NPAA. they kept saying no this is too violent this is too gruesome this is too much Give me an X rating. Cut this. Cut this. Cut this. So it's like I can see in a movie like, like if uh, it like it probably like any Stephen King book, you know, just right. the graphic stuff in that book. They're like, no, you need to take this out. You need to take this out. And you're like, well, you know, you're you're cutting a lot of the story out. I, mean, well, I can see that. So. It's funny because Misery, Misery is like my favorite Stephen King book. It's it's about a writer who gets into a car accident and. Colorado, I believe, in the middle of a massive blizzard, he gets picked up by his number one fan, and it's a whole crazy thing that happens. Um, but the book, the book pretty much follows beat for beat the movie with very slim exceptions, which they could have even they could have made the movie beat for beat exactly like the book. Because you only have, like, a cast of, like, five, six people tops, I believe, throughout the entire book. Um, But it's one of my favorite adaptations, and I think it's one of the best adaptations I have seen from source material to silver screen. It's, It's just, it's a good one. But then you, like I, like, we brought up the Harry Potter books. You have a massive budget. But you also have a massive cast of characters. You have a massive budget for special effects. You have to try to tell the story as concisely as possible without going over budget. You have to tell... You have to cut characters here and fit other characters in. You have... Um, you, there's just a lot more... Go, like I said, there's just a lot more going into movies than there is books where... You literally have the entire world set out before you in books that you can do literally anything with, but movie-wise, you have to take everything into account. You have money, you have actors, you have uh, graphics, you have time deadlines, you have all this and that. You have directors who will be like, oh, no, hey, we're going to cut this, we're going to cut that. You have the MPAA who, if you utter more than... A certain number of swear words or if you have so much sex or violence 
like your PG-13 rating that you were shooting for because it's the biggest market out there just got bumped up to an R and maybe it's too childish for an R rating or yeah. maybe it doesn't fit the PG-13 rating or whatever. Like my biggest pet peeve with Hollywood, and this isn't source material wise, <laughs> but my biggest pet peeve is horror movies that are PG-13. They don't need to be PG-13. Oh. Fuck them kids. <laughs> like... Like, you see a preview for a movie, it looks really good, it looks really scary, and then they're like, oh yeah, it's PG-13, I don't even go see it, because I'm like, it's not fucking worth yeah. it. Like, there was good... a, uh, I can't think of the horror movie that it was, but, like, they, like, parents took their kids to see this, because it was like, oh, it was a late 80s, or early 90s movie. And like they were, people were just losing their minds over it. I can't they remember. Were what about kids? Yeah, because it was off of a, like it was a kind of a, a scary character, but like I may be thinking of something completely. Was different. it child's play? <laughs> I doubt it, but I doubt it was child's play. Oh crap! Nah, I can't think of it. But... Or like even uh. When the second Batman movie came out. It was too dark. It was too yeah, sexy. They, it like, was too... Tons of people were like, I took my kid. We made it 30 minutes in and we took those kids and we took, walked out of there. And it was, I was like... Yeah. Like, what was going on around that time? Same time, too. Uh... uh man. Because... Uh, Terminator. Terminator was going on at the same time. No, it wasn't. The original Terminator was like 1989, 1988, and then T2 was like 1994. Yeah. Batman Returns was 1992. Yeah, like people were complaining about oh. the Terminator movies, and they're like, oh, an apocalyptic world where, you know, kids are getting their skulls crushed, and, you know, and kids burning alive on a playground. Oh, yeah. But that then scene there. nobody complained about that movie, but then Batman, Batman. Returns was... Too dark yeah, and too, too dark gothic and, and too sexy too because terrible, of yeah. Catwoman's cat suit. Yeah. <laughs> Which, honestly, favorite cat suit. Which, and I don't get, like, why. Like, people just didn't like it so much. I, I think it was more or less because of the whole uh, Tim Burton thing. Yeah. And... Like, like, he's a brilliant director, and I love the gothic vision that he had for Gotham. See, and that's, that's his style. But I love, like, it transferred... So beautifully to superhero story. Not Superman flyby, because that just sounds atrocious. <laughs> but like the, the Batman world, like it's beautiful. Like like I Batman like, uh... Returns is like my favorite Christmas movie because of how he has it styled and because of like, you know, it's a it's a romance story without being overly romantic. It's a superhero story. But it's dark, and it's, it's like, that era of Batman, it's... Yeah, because, like, for the majority of Batman's continuity of existing, like, it's he's a dark, brooding character. He's yeah. like, like, Superman is light, mm-hmm. Batman is dark. And that's and... what it was about, and, like, especially, like, when Denny O'Neill was uh, being the artist for the Batman comics, he'd make really dark comics. And, yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember... Uh... But if you look at Batman comics, Gotham is essentially a gothic city. Yeah, 
listen to the name, you know? Right, and it's it's gargoyles, it's stone, it's cathedrals, it's it's, like it's an dirt old, and yeah. grime, it's it's old Victorian meets like nightmare hell city, like like it's it's supposed to look like Tim Burton's fucking mind. Yeah, like, Whereas, it, like Metropolis is supposed to be a golden paradigm. Yeah, it's supposed to be the city of tomorrow. It's supposed to you know shine in the sun and you know like when I first found out that Tim Burton wanted to do Superman, I was like, mm, no, no, yeah, I will never go see that fucking movie. Yeah, I don't think I could see a Tim Burton Superman film. Well, what's worse is Nick Cage is gonna play him, and I'm like, mm, no. And he looked creepy in that, right? Like, like, like he had the long hair. He, he almost did. looked, he almost looked like emaciated too. Like he wasn't buff, which I mean, you don't necessarily have to be buff to be a superhero, but he looked skinny yeah. in like the pictures that I saw, and I'm like, why? Like, are you trying to be Tim Burton as Superman? Yeah. I like, are you trying to be Edward Scissorhands as Superman? <laughs> Like, it just, it doesn't work, and I'm glad it never got made, because yeah. I I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have sat through that. I'm trying to think of the writer of the, those movies, the Superman movies. Uh, I know Kevin, I think Kevin Smith was hired to do Flyby. Uh, I'm talking about, like, the old versions, like... Oh, God. Uh, we don't. Um, I'm thinking of Dick Donner for some reason. Dick Donner produced... Okay. Because it was Donner Company Productions. Um, uh, let me see. But uh, it was Christopher Reeves played Superman at the time. And... um, What one was it where Zod and the other Kryptonians come out of the Phantom Zone? Superman 2. Was it 2? Like they did that. And then 3... Who was the main bad guy in 3? I don't know. I've, I've only really seen one and two. Because then four was like Ultraman or whatever the hell his name was. Like Superman had to throw him into the sun or something. Uh, Superman 2 was written by Mario Puzo and David and Leslie Newman. Uh, Superman 1. If I can find it. I just have to go back. Richard Donner was the director of the first one. Okay. Um... And he was replaced by Richard Lester. But the writer of the first one was written by Mario Puzo and or sorry, Mario Puzo, David and Leslie Newman, and Robert Benton. But it's funny because both Superman and Superman Two were based off of stories by Mario Puzo. Written in DC Comics. And I want to say they... They filmed those in one big shot. One and two. And Dick Donner got replaced. They either did it... Some, they either did it in one big shot or back to back. Because yeah. Superman was released in 1978. And Superman 2 was released in 1980. Okay. Let me see this. That was good. Well, I think we'll call it there for the day. Uh... Thanks for joining me. If you want to tell people how to how they can follow you, uh, follow yeah. me at Casey Miller Author on Facebook. Um, I am working on an Instagram and a Twitter as well. 
Mm, you can tweet and tweet and Twitter. Tweeties. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, spending the spending a few hours with me doing thanks these for episodes. Having me. Yeah. Well, uh, next uh, time we'll do another superhero movie. Yeah. Definitely get together and go Give over that. Give me more than a day to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.